Hey, good morning, my friends. Skip here. 5.36, December 29th, 2023. Sitting in a dark living room with my new puppy rampaging. Wanting up here, you might hear him whine. He whines to get on my lap, and then when he gets on my lap, he wants to bite and play, which is what puppies do, uh, but not conducive to giving a podcast. So, uh, bear with Coco, my new puppy. You might hear him to my side here. But uh, I thought, and I think my wife thought it would be a good idea, and it is a good idea, it's a great dog, uh, to bring bring some new life into the house. Keep you on your toes, that's for sure. Uh, I want to talk today about how we discern right and wrong. I talk a lot about non-dualism. When I talk about non-dualism, what I'm talking about is this idea that we we can judge the actual worth of another person or that we have to judge ourselves in comparison to another person. I'm not saying that that we can't make a decision about what's right and wrong. Because never forget, my friends, that even even if you become supremely enlightened like the Buddha, supremely awake, right? That's what the Buddha, the name the Buddha is the awakened one. That even after the Buddha became awakened, he lived in the world. You and I have to live out our spirituality in the world that we find ourselves in. Uh, We can be aware of the illusion. We must become aware of the illusion of the reality we've created. But we also have to live in that place, at least for the duration of whatever our life is. Now, most people spend the first half of their life, and Richard Rohr explains this really well in his book, Falling, uh, Falling Upward. Uh, most people spend half their life, the first half, creating an ego. Spirituality really happens at some point, I'm convinced, around latter middle age, uh, unless something really profound happens to people, um, you can hear the dog. <laughs> um, so that's not a that's not a hard and fast rule, but I do, I do think it takes a little maturity to understand that that if you're going to and we have to determine right and wrong in the world and in our life that. That, that that idea of right or wrong has to be understood in a very uh, spiritual, uh, sort of a mature, uh, clear understanding. And I want to talk about that understanding this morning. Because I'm watching the news, and we, we, you know, it's obvious that we have to determine, we have to discern right from wrong. Uh, and when I talk about maturity, 
I'm talking about the idea that people will make things make well they'll they'll do wrong things and make try to make them right and i don't just mean like being bad i mean you know judging other people uh, taking part in in the ways of the world that uh, separate rather than bring together and it's not that we consciously do these things you know we 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 pick a team basically and we believe it to be right. That's why it's our team. I'm using air quotes. And we defend that position. Often when we defend that position, though, what we do is we demonize, we dismiss and discount the worth of the other. Even if, even if our actions are right and theirs are wrong, we still can't discount their intrinsic worth. And this is a tough thing because there's a lot of people out there who do a lot of really stupid stuff. <laughs> who, who, And there's a lot of people out there really brainwashed about certain things. And it's hard not to have that fight or flight thing kick in. But... When we choose to pick a side and we completely demonize the other side or completely judge their worth, then we, we've done something really not inclined with, with spirituality, with our love, with our kindness, with our generosity. Having said that, it's important for us, I believe, to have some way to determine, to discern right or wrong within the context of the reality we find ourselves. And so I'm going to spend the rest of this time probably talking about that. As you can hear, our puppy whine. So how do we understand right or wrong when we are talking about authenticity, when we're talking about enlightenment, when we're talking about spirituality, when we're talking about uh, really knowing ourselves, really living out of ourselves in the truest way. Well, I will tell you, I believe the determining factor, my friends, for all things right or wrong is love, is kindness, is generosity, is inclusion. And that goes for any side of the spectrum you choose in this world. That when we choose a side, which we probably all must, but we do so in a way that reinforces a hatred or a prejudice or a, a theory about the other, then what we do is we, we drive a wedge between us and, and the other. And now, if the other person's not inclined spiritually or even gives any care about how they love in the world, that's on them. We can't do anything about that. Uh, I would tell you I was in a conversation yesterday with a person which really kind of motivated this this 
episode who did all they could to try to get me to sort of agree with them politically, and I wouldn't do it because I'm convinced that their political ideas reinforce, rather than free people from, they reinforce the false reality. They reinforce the judgment of the other. They reinforce the the hatred that seems to motivate the body politic. And you could tell this person was gathering their information from really not probably not very good sources. And if I was to engage this person in an argument, it would probably just solidify their ideas. And it probably wouldn't do me any good. Uh, so basically, I, I tried to find a kind way to say, well, I, I uh, disagree, uh, but that's okay. Because here's what happens, folks, when we, when we go on the attack. It doesn't sway other people, even if you're on the righteous side. Even if how you think and how you feel is probably closer to authenticity, if we drive those wedges, then it just sends everyone to their own camp, their own team. Nothing gets resolved. So coping with right or wrong in the context of the false reality that we find ourselves in is really a matter of applying love, applying kindness, applying sympathy and empathy, and most of all, I think, applying understanding that that although someone's opinion may be egregiously wrong, the reason they have that opinion is because that's the opinion they've learned to have. That's their programming. And if there's a feeling of resentment and hatred that wells up in us, over another person and their opinion or what have you. That's our programming. And this is where a lot of people walk away, my friends, because what we want to do is we want to somehow take our authenticity and ram it into our own, you know, ram it into our ego's view of life. And we can't do that. We, we can't. We are called to function, uh, to try to understand things beyond the egoic, ego-centered, um, self-centered, self-absorbed place that the world has taught us to be, has taught us to live from. It's easy to hate. Now, I think we have to say something. We have to do something about behavior that's obviously harmful. But we have to present that bigger picture in order to fix it, in order to address it. We can't simply say, my side's right, your side's wrong, you know, we're great, you suck, blah, blah, blah. We have to understand that the person who who is saying and doing things that are demonstrably not very good... <laughs> that that person is simply a product of their environment, of their behavior, their training, 
they're a product of the false self and the false reality. Again, you don't excuse the behavior, but you understand there's a reason <clears throat> there's a reason for it. And then you apply that understanding uh, with a, a healthy dose of compassion and kindness, if, if possible. I know it's not easy. And you knock the dust off your feet <laughs> and, you, and you live out of that wider picture. This is what I tried to do with this gentleman yesterday in the conversation was to apply as... I was getting, you know, pretty upset. I could feel that well up in me because the things he's saying were demonstrably wrong. <clears throat> but I knew that to engage in an argument is not going to resolve anything. And it's not going to sway him. Uh, it may reinforce my own notion of righteousness, Uh but I already know that my understanding of what's going on at least has love and kindness and inclusion and an appreciation for diversity in its wheelhouse, in its, in its, you know, in its toolbox. And that's enough. I don't need to go out and fight everyone. I know that the side that I have chosen to represent the way I have chosen to live and the way I, I vote, the way I view life, the way I uh, understand this puppy ripping up something right on my lap, <laughs> it's tempered with the idea of compassion and love and kindness. <clears throat> and that, my friends is how we discern right from wrong. doesn't make us perfect. It doesn't always make us right because sometimes we want to love something that's wrong. I spent years trying to convince myself that, that uh, organized religion was the righteous way to be, and I was wrong. And so we have to, at least for me, let me say that, at least for me, so we have to be self-aware enough and discerning enough to not fool ourselves, to not live in some state of denial, which is, you know, I could do another 15 minutes on that alone. But when we're trying to figure out what's right or wrong, what we have to do is step back and go, which one is loving? Which one is inclusive? Which one shows compassion? Which one shows sympathy the most? <clears throat> and again, nothing's going to be perfect in this world that we've created. But it's really just that simple. Now, maybe a person would, one could say, well, maybe it's difficult for people to see that. Yes, that's right. <laughs> That's the false reality. <clears throat> it is difficult for someone who has been programmed in the politics, in the institutionalization of the world, to discern, 
to discern what real love is, what real compassion is, what real kindness is. Because what we learn in the false reality is a very selective version of that. And maybe we love our family. And I have no doubt that a, of someone who's a racist loves their family. But that's, maybe that's where that love stops. It's important for us to understand on the spiritual journey that there is a right or wrong in this world, but we have to view that through the lens of love. Let me give you just an example, and then I'm going to let you go. I didn't really understand this completely until I started studying Martin Luther King Jr., and I began to read his writings, and I began to, to look at some of Gandhi's teachings and, and really wrestle with the idea in, in Christian scripture of love your enemy. What does that mean? You know, the, the ego part of me wanted to say, not possible. But I think, it, you know, what, I'm, what I read in King, Martin Luther King, was this idea that there's a right and there's a wrong, but it isn't until everyone understands love that we fix it. Let me say that again, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but until the oppressor is as free as the oppressed from their understanding of reality, from their understanding of, of, of hate, then we can't solve it. And if everyone goes to their corner and flips the other party off... <laughs> you know, or continues to, to demonize and say, your side isn't worth life. Your side isn't worth anything. We're not going to solve anything, folks. So there you have it. Uh, for me, right or wrong does exist. The more loving, more inclusive, more compassionate way of understanding uh, will always be the more right way. And it isn't until everyone understands that we are programmed into hatred, that we'll ever be free. So thanks for your time. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Thanks, friends. Bye-bye.